Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. How are y'all today? So today is uh, today is the first weekend of uh, of February. Today's SGC is very special. Uh, you know why? Because uh, we have some live audience here. <laughs> uh, the volunteers, uh, some of them came over in the morning to offer breakfast and then did some spring cleaning. Uh, and then they are now doing the Packing. Hmm. So today's topic, hmm, uh, as you all may have noticed, the topic changed. Uh. My voice keep getting cut off and paused. Uh, is it is it still like that? Is the is my voice still on and off? Let me just double check. Is the voice okay now? Let me know if my voice... Uh, let me just do a sound check. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because today's... Uh, uh, today's window is all open. That's why. Right. So... Yeah. Now we have new services. Uh, the windows can close without me going over. <laughs> Uh, do let me know if you find that the the audio is uh, not quite uh, working okay mm. uh, hopefully improve a bit yeah so the original topic was um, mm, me mine myself or no self in my life yeah. so I, I was thinking uh, Chinese New Year is coming so I decided to have a switch of topics uh, so this week Today we are going to touch on a different topic uh, of Ren and Tai Sui. So have you all gone, gone to Pai Tai Sui? Maybe you all can leave a comment here. Uh, so I, I thought of talking about these two um, topics for today because uh, over the years I think this has become quite a popular practice uh, and by practice I mean a, a Chinese practice oh. simply put these two practices or these two customs is uh, it, they are not Buddhist practices oh. so uh, there are many, uh, many other customs and practices that we observe but it's also not Buddhist practices so why these two for the topic uh, for example, Chinese New Year. Uh, in the in the Buddhist uh, practices, there's no such a custom to to celebrate Chinese New Year, right? <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny because sometimes some students ask me, uh, in Mahayana Buddhism, there's this practice or that practice. It's not found in the Pali Canon. So is it? 
okay to practice so I asked them in the Buddha's time yeah sometimes they say uh, in the Buddha's time this wasn't practice yeah so then I asked them in the Buddha, Buddha's time they didn't use microphone they didn't use speaker they didn't use hand, handphone aircon or fan so does it mean that we shouldn't use them yeah so how do you know when it's okay to follow a custom or a tradition uh, and when not to which are the uh, practices that are uh, okay to follow which are the ones that's not so to begin you will remember we covered the uh, Sigalovada Sutta before yeah, I think a few times over the years and in, the, in that Sutta uh, Sigalaka was, uh, was doing uh, certain practices as instructed by his uh, father who has passed away and the practice was simply to wake up early in the morning wet his hair and then pay respect to the various directions when the Buddha saw that um, he didn't just go in guns blazing but he asked what he was doing and then and after that the Buddha shared that there's a different way of paying respect to the six directions uh, and with that the Buddha started the teachings oh, and today we know that as the Sigalavada Sutta yeah, to Sigalaka it means the, the, the words said to Sigalaka uh, Sigalavada so uh, what is the reference to this? so these two practices Pai Tai Sui and Ren Ri which one shall I start off first? I think I will start with Ren Ri first uh. so I, re I recall that when I was uh, very young when I was a, a kid I don't quite remember there being celebration of Ren Ri yeah. Um, and at some point then it became um, a thing you know uh, but maybe it's my family or maybe I, I just couldn't remember yeah uh, but over time it became quite a thing yeah um, and then the, the, there's a thing about oh on Renru uh, you must eat certain things and things like that and uh, Renru let me just switch to the whiteboard Oh, let me switch the point dot uh, so I hope this is clear enough okay Renru so what does Renru mean? So the word Renru in Chinese, it literally means uh, Day of Human. Or human beings. Uh, so what is the context and why is there this custom? So this custom has to do with uh, the, the Chinese belief or uh, the Chinese Chinese belief of uh, of uh, creation, yeah. So it seems like in practically every every most religion and culture, there's some kind of uh, background uh, story or belief of how this world come about. 
and in the Chinese uh, origin story, if you will, then it talks about this heavenly being called Nuwa, who is supposed to be the wife of one of the heavenly emperor. Yeah. And they believe that this Nuwa Fu Tian or something, yeah, and that she created the different beings. And human beings, according to this uh, belief, uh, is said to have been created on the seventh day. Yeah. So I I first heard about this when I, <laughs> of all places, uh, I first heard about Niwa Zhao Shi, not in a temple, okay, not in the Chinese, not in the Buddhist temple, not in the Taoist temple. You will not guess where I learned this from, or when where I first heard of this. <laughs> okay. You want to make a guess? You all can post in the comments uh, and guess where I learned it from or where, where I heard it from. Uh, the, the place that I first heard of it was... Are you all ready? It was in Sentosa. <laughs> so, in Sentosa they have all the different like almost like a mini theme park, right? So I remember there was this, um, what do you call that, like a multimedia um, presentation thing and then it, it, they, they talk about the different lost tribes la. then they talk about some of the folklore and one of the things they talk about was this Niwa Zhao Shi thing and um, I think I was probably in secondary or maybe JC yeah. Uh, and when I heard it, I was like, really? Since when do Chinese have such a belief? And apparently, like now if you were to go and search uh, Google and you find either on Wikipedia or you find on Baidu and so on, uh, apparently this belief dates back all the way to the, uh, like, the San Guo, uh, you know, and it slowly evolved some of this uh, are actually inside the Tao Zhang. That means it's inside the Taoist uh, scriptures. Yeah. So then, what? Why? Um, as as Buddhists, how do we look at it? Yeah. So this day, in the for those who actually um, practice this custom, uh, it's known as the Ren Day of Human Beings. And then, then they also say, oh, today is the birthday of all human beings yeah so when I <laughs> I remember when my mom at, at some point uh, like on the don't know seventh day or something she will cook some dishes with some vegetables or whatever and then she will she told us that oh today must eat this I'm like why because you know as a kid you always ask why right everything you also ask why 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 and then she, she said that, oh, because today is the uh, birthday of all human beings. So I was like, huh? Birthday of all human beings? But today is not my birthday. <laughs> and she was like, Ayah, you don't mind IT key. Don't be so, so uh, stubborn. Don't be so like, um, you know, just, just follow the tradition. I never exactly quite follow it or believe in it. Yeah. Um, not think much about it and for that matter I think most people even those who celebrate the 
they may not even know the origin of it and the implication yeah which is that if you actually sell it if you honestly celebrate this then you honestly believe that all human beings were created by this heavenly being called Miwa which means that you actually subscribe to some kind of uh, creation uh, belief which which is actually not shared by Buddhists yeah um, just as uh, at interfaith dialogues I would actually put up a slide yeah whereby you know in interfaith circle the different religious leaders will share their belief and for most for the most part all other nine uh, official religions in Singapore they share a belief in some form of creation yeah uh, the way that their belief um, understand creation may be slightly different uh, but they all do share that belief so my slide would say Buddhists do not do not share in a belief in of a creator God and usually when I share that uh, the participants those who are present they will all be like you know all deadpan silent and I will tell them to enjoy a moment of awkward silence yeah um, my point in highlighting this during interfaith circle is not to uh, create trouble yeah nor to cause distress but to um, but to highlight that there is a difference in our belief you know that we cannot simply just always whitewash or gloss over differences if we want to have sincere uh, friendship yeah if you want to have uh, if you want to deepen our trust among each other we need to know the differences and if we can still be in harmony with one another then that harmony that respect is truthful and we should strive towards that it's not easy but we should strive towards that yeah and so then how about among buddhists yeah so as buddhists um, then it's a bit hard to to say that if you are uh, a buddhist and then you celebrate renru isn't it yeah if the celebration of renru uh, because the fact is that there's no second way of celebrating renru yeah um, if you celebrate renru you're you're subscribing to the belief that all human beings were created on this day yeah on the seventh day of creation of or so to speak yeah um, now i have no issue with people having such a belief okay let me get get it out of the way first i have no issue with people having such a belief beliefs are what they are beliefs you know as long as the beliefs are not imposed on others then that's 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 okay yeah we can all have our own beliefs um, and and be in harmony with one another um, but if we say that we are buddhist then and yet we say that we share in this belief uh, for whatever reasons maybe we, we we share in this belief because out of tradition yeah because it was passed down through generations yeah or maybe because uh, our our senior masters from uh, in our lineage actually celebrate it so out of respect for him then we also go ahead and celebrate um, 
then we got to look at the Kalama Sutta, right? <laughs> yeah. And various other suttas, not just Kalama Sutta, where the Buddha rejected the the notion of accepting a belief or a teaching simply because it is passed down through traditions. Yeah. Uh, in other suttas, he he questioned the the acceptance of of teachings that were recited, yeah, uh, or simply because it's widespread or known. No. So, um, <laughs> after I suggested to the to the volunteers and also to the morning meditation group, uh, to be very honest with you, uh, a part of me hesitated a bit. <laughs> and the reason is because I think in many Chinese temples today, I don't know about other traditions, okay, but in many Ch Chinese temples, uh, this is quite uh, popularly celebrated. Yeah. Um, I I cannot speak for other uh, monasteries or, or venerables, so I, I don't fully understand nor appreciate the rationale for perpetuating this practice. Because to me, um, simply because it's a Chinese thing, doesn't make it more correct. Doesn't make it more okay to follow. Because if we say because this is a Chinese thing, so we should follow. But traditionally, Chinese also have other beliefs and practices, you know. Yeah. Traditionally, Chinese, they would sen, right? Which is the real yu, right? But Buddhist temples, we don't eat the real fish, right? So, and traditionally, um, many times during festives, Chinese would kill chicken, uh, kill pig, yeah? offer all those things, livestock. But... Buddhists have uh, decided to adopt a, 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 a diet of compassion, right? Yeah, and decided to go with the Western diet. So, from various aspects, we know that um, in the Buddhist tradition, we no longer follow suit with every single thing in the Chinese custom, right? Yeah. There are Chinese customs that is um, in line with the truth, that is in line with uh, values, yeah, that is taught and espoused by the Buddha, such as filial piety. Yeah? So, uh, whenever there are uh, celebration of, let's say, Qingming, yeah, uh, this remembrance of our forefathers on gratitude, then, yeah, it's a, it's a practice that we encouraged but we infuse it with Dharma practices no? uh, but for Renru then we I, I don't say <laughs> I don't say that I'm giving a, uh, an instruction to all the listeners to say stop uh, in Buddhism we are not in the business of controlling people so all I'm saying is if you do celebrate Renru I invite you to go and fact check yeah? who knows maybe I got it wrong you know but go and fact check. Not simply because a senior, a senior monk or nun or layman or laywoman say that it's okay, then it's okay. Neither is it not okay simply because Sifu say so, you know. This monk, who am I, right? Uh, but go and investigate. Okay? Go and investigate the origin of Renru and see whether it's correct. Yeah? So, 
Uh, I want to just very quickly share on one sutta. Uh, this sutta uh, is an extract uh, extracted from an, uh, this sutta. Let me see. I think it's on the Samaditi Sutta uh, on right view. This sutta on right view is from the Majima Nikaya. So let me see. Are you able to see the screen? Yes. So this sutta itself is from Majima Nikaya. Majima Nikaya Samaditi Sutta. This is uh, Sutta number nine. Uh, Samaditi Sutta. Right view. So as we've shared before on this Sutta, uh, it's the Buddha start off uh, or Venerable Sariputra start off with. Um, uh, the teaching on uh, the the ten unwholesome, ten wholesome deeds, and then starts off with the twelve links of dependent origination, uh, the four noble truth, and so on. Yeah. So at some at one part of the of the teaching, then uh, uh, it talked about ignorance, as we are familiar with the twelve links of dependent origination, paticca samuppada. It starts off with. Uh, diagrammatically or, or in terms of the structure uh, we usually say ignorance is the, the base and then with ignorance as a condition uh, uh, the sankara arise yeah? uh, volition arise then with volition as a condition then consciousness arise consciousness as a condition name and form arise name and form as a condition then uh, uh, six sense space arise uh, six sense space as a condition, then contact arise. Contact as a condition, feelings arise. Feelings as a condition, then craving arise. Craving as a condition, then clinging arise. Clinging as a condition, becoming arise. Becoming as a condition, then birth arise. Birth as a condition, then aging uh, and death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, this uh, uh, suffering, uh, then uh, distress and despair arise. Uh, so, so this is the standard sequence. And sometimes uh, if we just learn it and without further reflection, we may wrongly think that there is an origin ignorance. Yeah? So in this and many other suttas, the Buddha then talk about that there is the origin of ignorance. No? So you will notice that this, the, in this sutta, the 12 links itself are analyzed in terms of the Four Noble Truth. Yeah? The Four Noble Truth we usually learn as the truth of suffering, or yeah, the truth of suffering, origin of suffering, cessation of suffering, path leading to the cessation of suffering. It's a fourfold, uh, fourfold formula. So basically, truth of uh, what is X, origin of X, cessation of X, and then path leading to cessation of X. And you replace X with practically anything and it still applies. So in this case, it is applied to ignorance. Uh, so if you flow me through here, then there is uh, understands uh, ignorance. Uh, 
and then the origin and the cessation and the way yeah okay so this is the fourth fourfold formula so um, to understand the ignorance and the origin of ignorance but what is the um, the what is this ignorance yeah the ignorance is basically not knowing the four noble truths uh, so so not knowing yeah not knowing what not knowing suffering not knowing origin of suffering not knowing cessation of suffering not knowing the way leading to the cessation of suffering yeah but what is the origin yeah what is the origin of uh, of uh, ignorance no? so uh, the arising of the teens with the arising of the teens there is the arising of ignorance so this itself the arising this is the origin yeah so teens itself is the origin no? so origin is linked to the teens so then the question is so what led to the arising of tints right mm. so here the next part then there's the description or the teaching on how does tints come about and this is where it gets interesting again the fourfold uh, formula uh, so understand the, the tints origin the cessation and then the way leading to the cessation yeah, I'm going through very, rather quickly uh, with the assumption that you're familiar with this sutta, okay? And you're familiar with the fourfold uh, formula. Uh, if you find this going a bit fast, uh, feel free to go to the to this sutta. I'll, well, we provide the link later, and you can read through and take some time to digest. And if you have further questions after that, you can always post to this video, and then I'll try to cover it in future sessions. Uh, or if if need be, I will then reply in the comments. Because I want to focus on this part, which is uh, the so what are the tints? So because tints, right? Tints is as in the earlier section, tints lead to ignorance. Okay, so try to re re keep this in mind. Tints lead to ignorance. Oh, and by now you may be wondering, okay, well, what has this got to do with Renru, right? So tints lead to ignorance. But what are the taints? So taints is number one, taint of sensual desire, taint of being. In some translation, it talks about taint of existence. Okay, and number three, taint of ignorance. In other words, um, where there is sensual desire, it taints our the the mind, and this taint, okay, of sensual desire, sensual desire, can become the condition for ignorance to arise. When you when you are overwhelmed by sensual desire, when you are immersed in sensual desire, hard for us to see things clearly, and that's why there is ignorance. Yeah, taint of being. So being, or sometimes translated as existence, the very um, uh, the very existence itself. Yeah, that we are we exist or we come into existence. Yeah, this itself can also become. Um, the, the 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 source of ignorance. Yeah, why? Because we somehow uh, somehow we are not sick of being around. You know, <laughs> we we have this very strong craving for existence. So this itself leads leads to our inability to see things clearly. And further, there is the taint of ignorance, which is the interesting part. 
So if you look at this, then it seems like this is a cyclical loop. Yeah. So for any instance of ignorance, there are past sensual desire being an ignorance that conditions it. And for that ignorance that condition this particular one, okay, there is yet further past instances. Uh, past instances. Okay? So this is how it comes about. Uh, so then uh, what is interesting is uh, these three things in the earlier part talk about three things leading to ignorance, right? And then over here it talk about with the arising of ignorance, there is the arising of taints. So, taints condition the arising of ignorance, and in ignorance in turn condition the arising of taints. Ah. So, this part um, is basically what is uh, observed by the Buddha that when he trace back and try to discern a beginning yeah, there is no beginning that is discernible <laughs> let me repeat that huh? because pains and ignorance they are mutually conditioning each other the Buddha declared in various suttas that a beginning is not discernible yeah. when he trace back he, he do, does not see the start yeah, because it merely condition each other and that's why in various suttas various teachings the statement since beginningless time yeah, since beginningless time yeah, so it is very interesting um, that um, among in the Buddhist circle uh, sometimes we may due to conditions also yeah, conditions of our own uh, cultural background be it the Chinese culture Indian culture Sri Lankan culture uh, Asian culture or even Western culture we may bring with us our culture and understanding to, uh, to look at the teachings and sometimes our cultural influence is stronger than our understanding of the Dharma and as a result we may sometimes um, be hazy about some of this area you know and this is one area which is that uh, as much as in Buddhism first of all there's no belief in a creator God or creation yeah and link to, to this is this sutta and many other suttas where the Buddha explicitly uh, highlighted that there's no beginning you know uh, so if there's no beginning then that means how can we believe on one hand we say oh Buddha is enlightened and we accept the Buddha's teaching we take refuge in the Buddha ma. Uh, we take him as the teacher and then we take the refuge in his teaching so we accept his teaching we may not fully understand we may not fully accept uh, as in experience it yet but we take refuge ma. Yeah, triple gem Buddha Dharma Sangha and in which case then how can we on one hand accept this teaching and on the other hand accept Renru yeah, do you see the, the, the dichotomy here? Yeah. Uh, so um, 
I am sharing this with Tan. I will put, post this link. Yeah, I have mentioned already, Majima Nikaya number nine, the teaching on right view. No? Yeah, but again, I highlight um, I'm in no position nor uh, to, to, to sort of make a statement and say, okay, from today onward, no one can celebrate Renruya. No, I'm not saying that. Uh, but rather, inviting whoever watched this video, and, and if you do celebrate Renru, and you consider yourself a Buddha's disciple, to go and investigate for yourself. Ehi uh, pasiko, right? Uh, go and investigate for yourself, see for yourself. Number one, what is the origin, what is uh, Renru? And what is the origin of Renru? And perhaps then you may come to see what is the cessation of Renru <laughs> and the way leading to the cessation of Renru, starting with right view. Yeah. So don't take my word for it. Go and investigate. And who knows, maybe you find yeah, if you manage to find the teaching on Renru in the scriptures, uh, uh, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I'll be happy to stand corrected. Okay? So the next part is on Tai Sui. Uh, this Renru maybe I, I was thinking maybe still not so bad. But Tai Sui, wow, this one very touchy. Yeah. Mm. So again, the first thing I want to highlight is Tai Sui is not a Buddhist belief nor practice. Okay? But I have no issue, uh, I have no uh, uh, trouble with this practice. Yeah? Buddhists don't have trouble with non-Buddhist, non-Dharma practices. Okay? Yeah. We're not against other religion or other people practicing their belief. No, no issue. I mean, doesn't affect us anyway, right? <coughs> um, and again, um, it is when, if we consider ourselves to be Buddhist and we practice this, uh, then we have to ask ourselves, okay, is there any conflict? Yeah. So, a uh, long time ago, I vaguely read that um, Tai Sui actually refers to the sun or, or one of the stars that is linked to Jupiter. Yeah. So that day I mentioned in the morning, then uh, later on I actually go and fact check, uh, double check, <laughs> because sometimes our memory can play tricks. Yeah. And then when I fact check, yes, it's Mu Xing, yeah, Jupiter. Yeah, so, it, like, if you actually um, subscribe to praying to the Tai Sui, right? Every year, some some group of people will find twice Tai Sui. Then we're supposed to go and pray, right? Uh, in a kind of like a, appeasement, okay? So that your your year will be smooth and so on and so forth. And now, this mom come and tell you, actually it's, it's about Jupiter. Then it, I think for some people, you will just stop the video and just close, you know? <laughs> or maybe even report this video. <laughs> Now, let me repeat myself, okay? I'm not against this practice. Yeah, as long as it's not practiced as a Buddhist practice. Or, unless, if you practice it, you practice um, doing it with a Dharma approach and not with the, the wrong belief. Yeah, because after all, if you consider the Sigalaka, Sigalabodha, Sigalobada Sutta, right? The Buddha actually shared with Sigalaka a different way of paying respect to the six directions. Oh. So this Tai Sui thing actually has to do with um, the Chinese, uh, this is purely a Chinese thing, that they, the way they look at astrology 
and they look at the movement of the stars uh, and planets. Uh, in Chinese culture, the stars and planets are oftentimes intertwined, uh, but they are often um, labeled according to the Tian Gan Di Zi and so on. You know, so uh, I am not an expert in that. Okay, let me first tell you. Okay, uh, but what, from what little I know, um, there's the belief that our waxing and waning of fortune is uh, influenced externally by the movement of the stars. Yeah, there's such a belief. Okay, um, but when we put it out using modern terms, oh, it's actually Jupiter. Then some of you will be like, ha. Huh? <laughs> I, I, am I really believing in that? Yeah. But when we tell you, oh, this year is what Ding Chou Nian or Jia Jia Hai Nian or whatever, then oh, it feels like oh, there's something about it, right? So, um, again, you can go and do your own research, huh? uh, But apparently, today if you look at the the practice of uh, Bai Tai Sui, right? Tai Sui is presented as a collection of heavenly um, generals yeah and it is basically the Wu Xing multiplied by the 12 zodiac symbols yeah together collectively as 60 and this in the Chinese um, astrology is actually the 60 year cycle after 60 year cycle it repeats <coughs> yeah so uh, yeah, so the gist of it is Jupiter actually moves around uh, uh, the Sun yeah, in a certain very fixed, rather, you know, there's a certain pattern to it and it takes, I think, about 12 human years to move one round. So just nice, you know, and then multiplied by the five elements so you have the 60-year cycle. So for those who believe in it, then um, every year the 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 Jupiter is at different parts of it and they divide it into 12 segments roughly corresponding to the 12 time periods yeah, for the Chinese system and they believe that um, wherever it is then it influences those who were born on certain years yeah. so that's the gist of the belief uh, and for that uh, is there any uh, basis for this belief in Buddhism? And again, <laughs> I want to share with you yet another sutta. So this sutta is uh, called uh, Badekarata Sutta, and it's found in Majjhima Nikaya 131. Now this uh, this translation is done by Venerable Tanisaru Bhikkhu. Oh. You can find this in Sutta Central, I think, or DhammaTalks.org. Sorry, uh, in in various websites you can find it, but in this particular one. Uh, I extracted from the dhammatalks.org uh, So this sutta is very interesting Yeah, It's titled An Auspicious Day um, in, the, in another translation, there is actually a, a, a foreword uh, where you talk about this word rata the word rata and um, in, the, in Pali Rata is actually night, yeah, and so different translators uh, interpret it slightly differently, but a lot of them interpret it as night. So uh, 
variable Tanisaro Biku translated as they uh, on, on the basis that in various sutta when they refer to one night it is actually talking about one day one night and the reason basis for that is because uh, in the apparently in the Indian um, culture they are lunar based yeah that means month uh, uh, moon based so whereas the solar calendar we look at the sun right so for example in Chinese one day literally means one sun yeah, so you don't have to say one sun one moon you see the passing of a sun yeah, and the new sun sing the yeah, a new sun literally a new sun yeah, it means one day yeah, so that's how he interpreted and then if you look at the teaching itself yeah, the sutta itself it will make a bit more sense that this uh, this translation should refer to day Oh. So the title itself, An Auspicious Day. Uh, and I decided to um, cite this sutra uh, because um, with the Chinese New Year, when we say, go and pai tai sui, why do we pai tai sui? It's simply because we think that, if we think that uh, perhaps this year, my, your year may not be auspicious. Your year may not go so well. Yeah. So, and uh, you hope that it goes better, right? Uh, is there anyone who hope that your year is not auspicious? If you hope that your year is not auspicious, then you can log out now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this segment is for those who want to have an auspicious day, an auspicious year. Yeah? Uh, and I, I like to think that those who go and buy Tai Sui, um, number one, they do want to have an auspicious year, yeah, a bountiful year, a good year. Plus the belief that oh, because fun Tai Sui, then uh, because of Tai Sui, then potentially that year may not be so good. And three, their year that day, chong, <laughs> yeah, there's a conflict. And that's why these three together, then they may choose to go and buy Tai Sui. But I will have you know, uh, if you search online and do some research, apparently this practice is done differently in different countries. Some countries, um, they only do the one that is Tui Chong. Some is the Ben Nian. Then some is the, like for example, if you look at the 12, right, as the clock, then they also uh, consider, let's say if Jupiter is at 12 o'clock, then 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, all have to pray, you know. Some countries pray that way. Uh. Yeah, so who is correct? <laughs> if you have always been praying only on a Ming Nian, then how about the, the others? And then there are some who pray on the Tui Chong one, that means if this year Jupiter is at 12, then the Sen Xiao at 6, yeah, then must pray. Yeah, and some pray all four. <laughs> yeah, so as as Jupiter rotate, right? Then becomes so it becomes one, four, seven, and ten. Yeah, and so on. Yeah, so, food for thought, okay? Food for thought. As I say, I'm not an ex expert in this or authority in this. For that matter, I, I don't have such a belief, okay? Uh, and we are not here to criticize this practice, uh, but just to highlight that this practice to to share about. 
(um) (uh) the buddhist angle on how to have an auspicious day ya this is not my idea okay this is what the buddha said (uh) so we have that opening I have heard ya usually translated as thus have I heard [hor] so some of the (uh) modern translators they use (uh) the translation technique of more (uh) in a way colloquial or more modern ya so I have heard that on one occasion the blessed one was staying near #sabbathi# in #jetha's grove# #anathapindika's# monastery ya (uh) so sometimes translated as #anathapindika's# park [hor] because strictly speaking in the buddha's time (um) it was simply a park ya (uh) it it doesn't exactly match with what we think of as monastery today although it served as a monastery [hor] so it's not wrong to translate as monastery in that sense ya (uh) but don't expect that in the buddha's time there was a full set of structure with gates and everything (uh) in the early days no [hor] and as I've shared before #sabbathi# is the name of a city state ya and it's very (um) prosperous ya the 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 name itself (uh) literally means a lot of things [hor] so #jetha's grove# (uh) named after the prince who offered the the trees and sold the land to #anathapindika# (uh) there's a whole background story I'll share another time okay so there he addressed the monks monks (uh) yes lord the buddha (uh) the monks responded to him [hor] hear him referring to he and him referring to the buddha [hor] blessed one is another epithet for the buddha [hor] so the blessed one said monks I will teach you the summary and exposition of one who has had an auspicious day listen and pay close attention I will speak as you say lord the monks responded to him [hor] so (uh) the blessed one said you shouldn't chase after the past (mm) so this is first one or place expectations on the future what is past is left behind what is this the future is as yet unreached [ah] so as you all may recall (uh) not just myself but various teachers ya we have been highlighting this [ah] this is based on what the buddha has taught and not simply because the buddha has taught that but if you consider it is it true that what is past is already left behind it's true isn't it ya what is past is already past ya you chase after the past it will not come back ya the fact that it's past literally by definition it means it's not happening anymore what about the future future is as yet unreached the future is not here yet that's why it's called future if it's here then it's present ya [ah] so [ah] about the way we look at time ya the way we look at the past the way we look at the future [hor] whatever quality is present you clear~ clearly see right there right there not taken in unshaken it that's how you develop the heart ya so with respect to the present to not (um) to not become (uh) affected by it as well to not be immersed you know and indulge in it also [ah] but to to just be aware to know [hor] so ardently doing what should be done today for who knows tomorrow death ya so this is the attitude ya that day by day what you need to do today do it today ya don't wait for tomorrow you cannot practice there are there there are
there are two time periods that you cannot practice yesterday and tomorrow <laughs> yesterday already gone cannot practice tomorrow haven't come you cannot practice yeah and even today you can only practice now you know? there is no bargaining with mortality and his mighty hot yeah so here it is a personification of mortality in other words the very fact that we can die anytime yeah uh, this is something that you cannot bargain yeah when you go to the uh, the market maybe you can bargain nowadays in singapore you you cannot bargain in many places also yeah uh, but the one thing that you cannot bargain with is uh, our mortality whoever lives thus ardently relentlessly both day and night yeah uh, so this is the reference that's why venerable tanisaru bhikkhu chooses to translate rata as a day uh, so whoever leaves thus ardently relentlessly that means for this one day one night this person here notice that there's no mention whether it's a monk or nun layman or laywoman whoever do this then you have an auspicious day yeah not by virtue of uh, of your position in society not by virtue of whether you are in a certain group or not yeah but what you do how you live your life yeah not because you do, did this <laughs> you went <laughs> you went find say or not metaphor if you want to have an auspicious days yeah uh, you must do this so says the peaceful sage yeah, this peaceful stage refers to the buddha oh. Uh, so let's go into the the rest of the text very quickly and how monks does one chase after the past uh, the buddha give more explanation my teacher used to say ah for pusa tsipaya for pusa puhanhu my teacher always say that the buddhas and buddhisattvas the enlightened ones they are very compassionate they don't give uh, teachings uh, halfway and let you go and guess he, they, they teach you and explain clearly every single thing uh, so over here one gets carried away with the delight in the past I had such a form uh, or body yeah in the past I had such a feeling in the past I had such a perception in the past I had such a fabrication in the past I had such a consciousness this is called chasing after the past so you notice that in many of the Buddhist texts yeah in particular the modern translation then there is this thing called dot 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 this is what is known as a bridging oh. so a bridging is basically when you have a series of texts that are somewhat repetitive with only um, certain uh, certain phrases that is different then this technique is used to remove the repetition oh. so for example over here um, it has this part up to in the past I had such a form right then um, continue yeah in the past I had such a feeling yeah and so on so actually it is inclusion of one gets carried away with the delight of uh, and so on so this part is being uh, removed as part of the dot 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 uh, so when you look at the whole verse you can understand it as 
expanding the whole thing but for those who are familiar you'll notice that this is none other than form perception so this is form perce form feelings perception then fabrication another translation is mental formation and consciousness in other words the five aggregates and another way to look at the five aggregates is basically the mind the body and the mind yeah that when you think about the past yeah we chase after the past then you think ah in the past i was like this in the past i i was like that or i had such a i i live in such a way and so on and so forth no? so then the buddha say and how does one not chase after the past so it's basically the opposite one does not over here one does not get carried away with the delight of of what of this preoccupation in our mind thinking about the past oh in the past my body was like that in the past my feeling was like that in the past perception was like that but in the past fabrication uh, mental formation was like that in the past consciousness was like that mm. yeah, do we do that uh, sometimes we do uh. we have preoccupation about how it was in the past right uh, this is quite common isn't it especially chinese new year <laughs> yeah you meet up with family members yeah uh, or friends that you don't meet so often uh, then you do what then you talk about the past yeah i uh, talk about how it was uh remember last time yeah uh last time police wear shorts are uh, nowadays police wear shorts again uh. <laughs> yeah we may think uh last time uh, we may look at our the, the kids and then we think ah yeah kids nowadays good life uh, and last time we like this last time we like that uh, this is part of getting carried away with the delight of the past uh, so next uh, so chinese new year good time to practice uh. Uh, but if you practice maybe your your friends and family may may find you quite boring uh. they talk about you uh, they talk about the past then you look at them like army ah, tofu <laughs> then how uh, later we, we we think about it uh. so um, if you look at the next two paragraphs, uh, it's similar to the earlier one, yeah? except that it's about the future. Uh? So place expectation on the future. How does one go about doing it? One gets carried away with the delight of, in the future I might have such form, such a feeling, such a perception, such a fabrication, and such a consciousness. So this is called placing expectation on the future. Uh? So again, this is the five aggregates. Oh. So how does not one not place expectation on our future? Uh, again, it is not getting car carried away with the delight of having this preoccupation that in the future I might have such a form, right? Such a feeling, such a perception, such a fabrication, such a consciousness. Yeah. Now, um, I just want to highlight that when we look at this four stanza, this pair, for some of us, uh, getting in touch with this idea of form, feelings, perception, uh, mental formations and consciousness is something new. For some of us who have been attending Dharma class, that maybe it's not so new, right? Uh, but I have a question for all of you. On a daily basis, on a daily basis, when you think about the past, 
do you think in terms of these phrases yeah when you talk uh, this chinese new year you, you think about it when you meet your friends right try to tell, talk to them in this way oh remember last time the form was like this the feeling was like this the perception was like this if you use these exact terms uh, i think after five ten minutes your your friends and family will look at you suspiciously like <laughs> yeah. So then how? Learn Dharma then you have to apply Dharma, ma, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you don't apply then uh, but if we apply then it seems a bit odd. So uh, in the past how many years I've been sharing with students that um, the Buddha used these terms because these terms were were common lingo that was used to describe ones uh, the way they understand their existence today they the way we describe ourselves may be quite different using different terms right uh, in terms of mentality yeah the, the mental states only format no we have a lot of different description and a lot of our description has to do with how we feel yeah not this feeling uh, this one is more about sensation but emotions right so um, if you compare our descriptors today the adjectives we use today to describe our self there may be some overlap but there may be some parts that doesn't have a one-to-one -one connection so how yeah, I'm highlighting this because um, some students when they when you read the suttas directly you may come off feeling like a bit disconnected right you may feel like oh the teaching is not relevant but i tell you it's not why because when the buddha gave this teaching uh, the teachings are phrased in a way much like how chemists would describe water chemists would describe water as h2o right i mean i i'm i'm go presuming like when you when they talk about water in a lab then they talk about h2o right and in chemistry lesson in secondary school we also learn about h2o but on a daily basis, do you look at water as H2O? Don't tell me yes. Uh. <laughs> Rubbish. Uh. <laughs> when you drink water, do you think, oh, the hydrogen and the oxygen is very well mixed today? <laughs> Nobody thinks that way, right? But does it mean that chemists got it wrong? No. Then, does it mean that we got it wrong? Also, no. It's just that the way you experience reality is oftentimes disconnected with what is the reality right but you cannot deny this reality that we experience which is the fluid water at the same time you cannot say that the chemist is wrong because that understanding is what allows us to do amazing things with water with everything in this world that we call science and at the same time the way we experience this world is not at the molecular atomic chemical level so how do we bridge the two then when we because we experience it this way then we need our reflection have to be at this level keeping in mind the lower level the fundamental level and so if we were to apply this in our day-to-day -day, then we should consider ah normally how do i think about it or normally we think or oh, in the past uh, you remember we were in primary school and so yeah it's, it just use those terms 
but to catch ourselves when we think in this way because when we think in this way that means we are actually getting carried away with the delight of the past and if we start to think about oh well next week like this next week next month like this then we are getting carried away with the future but wait wait a minute does it mean we should forget about everything in the past and not plan not do any plan for the future uh, i would say no as well no as well why because the buddha himself recollected his manifold past life so he's definitely not telling people to forget about the past the buddha likewise in even way back how many kapas ago in the time of buddha dipankara he made aspiration for future enlightenment right so he did make a plan in buddhism we don't see the word plan uh. <laughs> yeah it's called making an aspiration making a vow right uh, so it doesn't mean that you should not plan for the future it just means that you set a, a goal but you don't spend your time while you're in the present just affix with the future you know aspiration making in, in buddhism is designating your future goal and then tracing back to see what are the things you must do now yeah and what and how to do that using the teaching on conditionality yeah so while we plan for the future it is rooted in the present and while we recollect the past it is not to become um, uh, carried away with the past yeah but it's to reflect on the past to learn from it then to do what so that our present makes more sense uh, then it's okay uh, so and how is let's continue uh, and how is one taken in with regard to present qualities uh, then the present there's the case of when uninstructed run-of-the-mill person who has not seen the noble ones is not versed in the teachings of the noble ones is not trained in the teachings of the noble ones sees form as forms or self as possessing self or form as in self or self as in form uh, so this the teaching on no self huh? so nicely lead to uh, two weeks later we'll talk about no self okay so <clears throat> here run of the mill meaning the average joa uh, who is not enlightened now this here the original verse should should be aryan uh, and i shared in many classes the term noble in my opinion while linguistically correct yeah because the word noble uh, aria noble is a direct translation of the word aria but you ask yourself if you look at doctors and nurses and teachers we will say they are very noble right yeah we will say that they are very noble in the in their choice of careers but do we consider them equal to arahan and enlightened being no right so surely the connotation of the word no uh, aria uh, goes beyond simply noble yeah in chinese is translated as shen yeah so i would um, and it's usually as opposed to fun uh, uh, so the thing is all these are english words huh? Yeah, all these are English words and because the Buddha didn't awaken in an English-speaking environment so there was no word directly created to describe that state the closest is the word awaken the next closest is the word that we borrow from the Western vernacular called enlightened yeah because the word enlightened also has its own history and background you know but this is 
to me a closer term either awaken or or uh, enlightened yeah, but awaken is usually translation for bodhi yeah, which literally has that meaning of awaken oh. so i tend to choose for arya to translate as enlightened oh. Oh, so one who has not seen the enlightened ones is not versed in the teachings of the enlightened ones is not trained in the teachings of the enlightened ones uh, then it makes sense right not just a noble noble thing yeah uh, so sees then this part and as a result of not having that encounter in other words not having seen the enlightened one the teaching not training in it then what happened would as a result being unenlightened and so on sees form as self self as so this is the first state form as self then self as possessing form or form as in self or self as in form yeah, so you, you notice that this is actually a three uh, a four 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 permutation yeah form and self so these two then sees form as self so equi equating physical form as self okay so that's the first permutation then seeing self as possessing form so still this is separate the first one is their equivalent the second is their separate so self that means i i possess physical form so physical form belong to the self but what is self not defined okay it's a thing that is separate that owns the self or owns the form and the third one form as in self so that's the physical form that is in in this eye oh, uh, the f f first one is equivalency the third one is slightly different that there's a self and then form inside this self and then fourth one is self inside the form also the different permutation in another sutta called the uh, the what is that uh, brahmajala sutta yeah the net of views so in that sutta, it talk about all the different permutation. So over here, you notice again, form, feelings, perception, fabrications, and consciousness. So in other words, in terms of the five aggregates, you apply the fourfold uh, permutation. So we have twenty different permutation. I will not go through the detail, but basically, unenlightened beings do this. Yeah. In other words, identify with this mind and body as me in various ways. Okay. So, and how is one not taken in with regard to the present qualities? So, this is about present. Presently, you identify with this mind and body as me. The, the other one is identify with yourself in the past, your mind and body in the past as yourself, and then also the future. And this is the present. No? So, um, there is the case where a disciple of the noble ones who has seen the noble ones is versed in the teaching of the noble ones is well trained in the teachings of the noble ones does not see form as self or self as possessing form or form as in self or form as uh, or self as in form <laughs> tongue twister uh, so again the four permutation yeah except that now it is does not see now does not see and similarly we have form, feelings, perception, fabrications, and consciousness of the five aggregates. So, then the Buddha wrap up the 
uh, this part here again with a set of verses with you shouldn't chase after the past or place expectations on the future what is left past is left behind the future is yet unreached whatever quality is present you clearly see right there right there not taken in unshaken that's how you develop your heart yeah. so with respect to the present even with the present um, the statement you shouldn't uh, so if you want to become enlightened then you shouldn't yeah if you don't want suffering you shouldn't yeah you shouldn't chase after the past you shouldn't anchor for the future with respect to the present you shouldn't cling on identify to mind body or anything for that matter as self yeah if you do want suffering if you do it if you do it then suffering will follow you ardently yeah. doing what should be done today for who knows tomorrow death yeah. so some of these verses can be quite um, blunt and direct huh? but the context is for those who uh, have ordained then this is the attitude does it mean that lay people don't have to have this attitude well again <laughs> Buddhism we are not in the business of dictating people's life yeah uh, but for the most part uh, this is my my thoughts about the teachings if you look at the teachings it always says old monks yeah or old, uh, usually referring to the monks but it applies to monks nuns laymen and laywomen whoever the one suffering whoever seeks enlightenment then the teaching applies to you no. there's no bargaining with mortality and his mighty heart and especially verses like this doesn't matter whether you're monastic or lay isn't it it still applies yeah and whoever lives thus ardently relentlessly day and both day and night has truly had an auspicious day so says the peaceful sage and again operative word yeah, the, the subject whoever yeah, whoever never say only monks who live in this way can have auspicious day only Buddhists no yeah only those in who stay under the Bodhi tree no <laughs> whoever lives thus ardently relentlessly both day and night has truly had an auspicious day mm, this is the teaching of the Buddha so if you consider yourself a disciple of the Buddha then you're going to ask yourself is there another way to look at Tai Sui huh? then maybe you can understand Tai Sui as uh, our defilements you know if you understand there's one way to pray to Tai Sui that would be okay for Buddhists uh, you look at Tai Sui as Mara Tai Sui as our defilements uh, then, it, then it's not just on Chinese New Year then you pray you know <laughs> then you do your practice you know it's every day because is there a day that your defilements is not active uh, is there a day where your Tai Sui defilement is not active no right every day is active so every day you must practice <laughs> then every day will be auspicious and that's how you can have a whole year that is auspicious monks i will teach you the summary and exposition of one who has had an auspicious day thus it was said and in reference to this was it said this is what the blessed one said gratified the monks delighted in the blessed one's words no? 
So um, again, I I highlight uh, I'm not against this practice, yeah, because this practice is not a Buddhist practice. Pai Tai Sui, yeah, uh, and I like to think that some temples out of compassion, yeah, I, I like to think it's, it was out of it is out of compassion, and as a skillful means, because anyway people want to pray Tai Sui lah. Yeah. So then instead of, you know, if a person with this mindset go and pray Tai Sui, then go and maybe perform some rites and maybe in the process even kill chicken or pig or whatever, then you actually create more unwholesome karma. Yeah. So I think some temples then in the end uh, go along with it, but infuse the Dharma inside. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, Sometimes people end up so sometimes people end up following it but not realizing the Dharma. Yeah. This is like what I think um I think is uh Ying Sun Tao Si. He once said that some of the teachings is like uh it's like if you if you give medicine to kids, they don't want to eat. So you have to wrap it with candy. Yeah. Then they take, and when they finish, then the can the, the medicine is already infused. Uh, so that's the aim, la, You know, sometimes I think. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes people, when they finish the candy, they spit out the dharma, the, the medicine. <laughs> so in the end, they are just going for the candy. You know. Uh, so if you keep going to a temple, Buddhist temple, if you are Buddhist, uh, this, okay. So disclaimer, uh, this is not for those who are not Buddhist, uh. <laughs> If you're not Buddhist, uh, maybe you're Taoist, maybe you're just you're, you're a Chinese, but you have no, if you you don't have any particular belief, but you believe in Pai Tai Sui, you know, by all means, I have no issue, I have no trouble with you. Uh, but if you are Buddhist and you go to Chinese temple, Chinese Buddhist temple, okay, or monastery, and then go and Pai Tai Sui with the wrong view, thinking that oh, by doing these rites or ritual, then it can influence the star and negate the effect of Jupiter on your life then it's, it's a wrong view uh. yeah, it's wrong view uh, then you are missing the medicine you are just taking the candy and then throw away the medicine then you are wasting the kind effort of the, the, the Sangha the, the senior monks in the various temple who, who see that if I tell you don't pray Tai Sui, you still pray what? <laughs> right? So okay lah, we also organize Pai Tai Sui. But you, you, you think carefully when you go to different temples, when they Pai Tai Sui, what do they do? They invite you to come and do chanting roll. Right? So it's still Dharma practice. And I like to think that the, 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 the temples, they don't have that kind of wrong view. You know? Uh, and they want to get you to learn the Dharma. Out of a thousand who go, Maybe not everybody will learn it the first time round. Maybe just a small number. But it's for this small number who is able to learn that we do this. And I hope through this video, more of you will see the, the, the teachings itself that the Buddha has advocated, has seen, has realized, has taught, and how this can actually uh, bring you auspiciousness and uh, happy new year. Amitabha.
苦愿这一障悉消除，世世常行菩萨道。阿弥陀佛，起立。